0: The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sistina, and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today.
1: I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so
0: debt. worried. How am I going to afford taking care of When's my parents? When's a good
1: time to get into the market? I'm really
0: not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I
2: wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I
0: can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready. To help you to create better financial habits, envision your long-term goals, and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny Sestina and Company are on deck to show you the way.
2: Welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Steven Lucan, and joining me today, this evening, is John Sestina, Tony Payne, and a newcomer. We got Eli Lee Taloza.
0: Yeah. Elijah.
2: Eli, Welcome, preferably. all right, thank, Eli. Thank we'll you, call, we got you, Eli. Welcome to the show. Uh, two, three of us are certified financial planners, and one day, Eli, hopefully, you're, you'll be among us uh, in the certified financial planning community. Um, again, r- this is a financial planning radio show. Uh, John, this is our tenth year. It'll be wow, in, in that's the fall, incredible. right? Two thousand and eleven. I, I saw that and I said, I just, I blinked. And I said, Wow, ten years goes that's fast. Amazing.
3: Yeah. Yes, it does.
2: And, you know, the content we've, we've presented along the way, yeah, we've probably regurgitated it a few times, but that's really what the financial planning process, it, some of it's about, right? Constantly reviewing, looking at the same things over and over again. Uh, it's not meant to be boring, but it's meant to be inquisitive, right, Tony?
1: Well, over the last 10 years, I think we'd all agree a couple things might have changed. So where you were 11 years ago and your financial life or financial plan, along the way there might have been a tax change, there might have been some life changes, maybe a couple investment things happened along the way. So the idea that along this period of time we've talked through some of the same topics, but the rules change, things change. Sometimes other questions come up, other opinions come up, so it's good to keep going back at the same topics sometimes because they change.
3: Yeah. You're not suggesting that nothing's going to change this year, Tony.
1: I might be, John. <laughs> to <laughs> You're be continued.
3: Nothing's going to change this year.
1: That's I can guarantee few things. One thing I think I can guarantee is something's going to change this year. We just don't know what. I don't. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> what, but something will.
2: Yeah, and uh, John, you know, thinking back ten years ago, obviously a, a newcomer to the radio um, broadcasting, I obviously didn't know, in this uh, what, what to. What this involved in the studying and and reading of content and having content available, and we were chatting earlier about the uh, passing of Rush Limbaugh, and here's a guy who every day, three hours on the radio, just talked about and shared his thoughts, challenged people. Pretty impressive uh, career, what he had.
3: It sure was.
1: Well, and a lot of it, too. I mean, when you listen to some of the th- – I say debates, but really he'd have callers call in, challenge him, and the depth of knowledge to be able to go back and forth. I mean, that was insightful. It wasn't just, hey, let me say my opinion, maybe not be challenged, but someone thoughtful to be able to defend an opinion, but also be able to let others talk and get their other questions or their other side out, but then talk it through with them. You know, it's discourse. It was yeah, kind of nice. that's
3: got to be politically incorrect. Let somebody else have an opinion?
1: Well, that's discourse, John. We know oh, that. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah,
3: and, and
2: love him or hate him, right? If you didn't agree with him or, or yeah, he many, drew attention, <laughs> he created a, a standard within the industry. And and like I said, the thing that I, impressed me most is for three hours a day, he was by himself. Yep. And that alone takes talent. It takes uh, intelligence, and charisma and you, you, the whole book, right? So I, I appreciate that. And um, we lost somebody who was uh, certainly a pioneer in the radio industry.
3: Well, Definitely probably responsible for AM, as we understand it.
2: Yeah, right. So, Eli, how many times have you listened to Rush Limbaugh in your lifetime?
3: <laughs> did you know who he was? I did not know. Okay,
2: all right. Just, just listen to it. Sure, you can YouTube it. And but he grew grew popularity in the '90s and and carried it on through the end here. So. Uh, interesting career and certainly a trendsetter well t- uh, today's topic on financial planning Tony you talked a little bit about change uh, evolution flu financial plans gotta be fluid We're going to talk a little bit about the lies or the untruths that could jeopardize a good financial plan.
1: Yeah, you know I like to be polite. They're not necessarily (laughs) lies. They they might be misstatements of fact, (laughs) and and we want to correct those.
2: Exactly. Uh, But before we get into that, um, congressional hearings, I guess, were were the thing. uh, We're recording this on Thursday, so today I was not able to listen to any of it. Uh, tony did you pay attention
1: i i did i did i mean when a financial transaction tax comes about we pay attention Mm -hmm. so the idea of well, let's slow down trading, and if we tax it, maybe that'll slow it down. That came through today from some people, and that was kind of oh, really? scary. Okay. Um, and then at the other end of it, you had an expert witness uh, by the Reddit name of Roaring Kitty, uh, who was on there talking about his GameStop positions, how he believed in the stock. So it was just a, a eclectic mix there to see. And even seeing some of the Congress people still learning how to use Zoom, maybe you know it, it's <laughs> one of those where you watch, you observe, and you know hopefully nothing punishing comes out of this for the investor because the main theme is when you have something like a GameStop, something exciting, it pulls people into the market. Now, it's arguable whether or not they're going to lose money or not, but the idea of bringing in more people to the market, and if the core to building wealth is investing, you want more people to have accounts open, be able to invest, and you don't want to penalize that or make it too hard. So that's the balancing act. That's what seemed to come through today.
2: Yeah, so can can you elaborate, though, on the the quote-unquote penalties for day trading kind of thing? Because there already is a sort of a penalty on how you're taxed for gains, well, right, the, right now, if you in trade within less than a year, any gain is taxes ordinary income versus capital gain. What were they implying?
1: Yeah, so on top of the tax on any gains, this was a ten basis point transaction tax. So basically, if you were putting in an order for a hundred dollars, there's ten basis points, not a full percent, right. but a tenth of that. That's what comes out, and you can imagine. All the trades that go on, they're going to scrape that much up. And again, no one really had an opinion on what they'd do with the money yet, but it was, well, maybe we could slow down trading. And deep down, that gives me the willies because I don't know that we want to slow it down so much as inform investors, let them make decisions, and the market do what it does.
3: What, What was their purpose in wanting to slow down trading?
1: Exactly, John. I, I will admit I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I didn't hear it clearly. The The part that I thought they were trying to present was, well, if we slow it down, people would have more time to think about their investing, or if it was more expensive, then they would do less trading. So it was basically penalizing people, I guess, for trading? It's sort of
2: like taxing gasoline. People would drive less. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. They, it doesn't yeah, happen. again, or, that
1: yeah. was... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, John. I'm, I well, can't the, explain. It.
2: Right. Well, the other side of it, which confuses me, and that's why I don't like the proposal of long-term capital gains being taxed as ordinary income. That will create a whole volatile market, uh, especially if it's set, it's announcing it's effective a certain date. You're going to see a major change in volatility uh, within the market itself. You,
1: you're trying to get under my skin here, aren't you, Steve? Yeah, Stephen? I am. I mean, cap. Uh, look, please, though, this capital gains thing is so huge. I mean, we talk about it, and we know for some it's a revenue generator, but the idea is people get taxed differently. And, and, again, it's become a political talking point. You know, the person who shows up and works as a W-2 pays one way, but the investor who buys the business or owns the business or starts the business pays a different rate. They're what doing different things. What are you talking
3: things. about, Tony? That doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, I think it does, I mean, you though. You
3: own a business, and you're telling me you pay a different income tax rate than your employees?
1: Only if you sell the business. Yeah. Well, yeah, when, if and when
2: you sell the business, the stock.
1: Right. It's you, that one-time sale. That's what we're yeah. trying to get into here, which I we'll get into here in the, after the break.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but the employee's not selling their income. They're working. They're, they just have income. There's no place for capital gain there.
1: Right. No, exactly, John. You'll, we'll finish the example here in a minute.
3: Yeah, when it's a different tax
2: rate altogether, for 15% or 20% versus ordinary uh, income, which is higher. And in many cases, right, if you understand the tax tables. Uh, can get higher. So converting capital gain to ordinary income is a slippery slope, and hopefully that does not happen. Uh, While well, we're coming up here on a break and when we come back, we're going to dig into your financial plan and the lies that could jeopardize it. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.
0: You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes.
2: Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show this is your host, Stephen Lucan. First segment, we talked a little bit about taxation, long-term capital gain. Uh, moving forward, you know, one of the things uh, when people make a huge financial transaction, big, large, uh, for their own, uh, maybe a house purchase, that a lot of times they wire funds. And it's easy to say, oh, I'll just wire the money. Anything you should be concerned about there, Tony?
1: Uh, that you're not using an old account. <laughs> That you're not using an account that you might not have control over anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll leave it there.
2: Okay. And the reason I brought that up is I read an article this past week where uh, there was a little bit of an error made. Uh, Citibank, there was a judge that ruled where Citibank erroneously wired $500 million. The wire should have been for $8 million And the... Uh, person fat fingered the uh button and hit it a few many times and it ended up being a 500 million dollar outgoing wire to and and basically it was to service debt and really what what happened here is the judge ruled that said the people who received the money to uh, service the debt they don't have to repay it it serviced the debt and paid off some of the interest but uh citibank wanted their money back and they the judge says they don't have to give it back
1: right and and what really i mean there was 900 million that they sent out so 400 of it People gave back, companies gave back, and then the 500, the judge said, no, you don't have to. Yeah, uh, That's very interesting. And
2: it did, it did. It was based on state law, right? Depends on what state you're in. And I believe this was New York Yeah, New, yeah, York, New York, state. York.
1: They were yeah. due to money. So. Yeah.
2: And so the judge ruled, obviously, Citibank is going to uh, appeal. Uh, but when you're wiring funds, that's what people need to realize. And that's why the fraudsters that are out there, the crooks, they want people to wire money because once that leaves... There's really no no U-turn. There's no coming back and saying, "Oh, it was a mistake." So if anybody's out there and you're you're ever have a situation where you need to wire the money, make sure the instructions are clear. They're written out. Uh, there's a signed document. It's very very important to make sure that you uh, know what you're doing there. But wiring funds is not as easy as a flip of a switch.
3: Yeah. Well, and a lot of times people wire money out of their brokerage account. Yeah. So. What are the steps they have to be aware of there? You had named some generalities, but uh, take an example.
2: Uh, account title, account number, uh, whose name's on the account, the receiving institution. There's something called what people don't realize is when if, you, if I'm wiring money to a third party and it goes to their bank, it goes into the bank's kitty. It goes into a master account, and then there's something called a further credit to, and that further credit to is to my instructions to say here's what i'm applying that that payment to which is very important so make sure that's a a part of it anything else there john no
3: i think most of them
1: yeah so it's a big one reminding me of nightmares i mean they just indicted those three north korean hackers for basically doing exactly that hacking in wiring money out once it's wired out it's gone
2: yeah so that's that's what they're after so be careful out there
3: and a lot of people aren't aware of the numbers, even on their checking account, you know, the, the uh, what is it called, the tracking, not the tracking number, what is the it? The routing. Routing number. Mm-hmm. And then your bank account number, two different ones, and those would be required in most of those routings.
2: Right. And always have a contact person at the receiving bank and even the sending bank so you have people to talk to in a direct line. Um, so just a, a food for thought for everyone out there. Well, you know, we, we, we have to usually come up with content uh, which stimulate the thoughts and ideas for our content or usually uh, art articles, right, or things we see on TV. I read an article this past week and there's a magazine called Financial Advisor Magazine. You know, John, you've been uh, probably quoted in that magazine hundreds of times over the years. Uh, very good insight, right? So you got some good articles. And the headline for this one or the, the title was Most Common Lies People Tell About Money
3: come on, Stephen, people <laughs> wouldn't do that,
2: what are you doing? Right. And there's nothing that could go possibly go wrong with one's financial plan um, with that. So we want to go through this list, talk a little bit about how it relates to people's financial plan and what how to avoid it. Um, Tony, why don't you kick it off here?
1: All right. I'm going to kick it off by looking at Eli and going, what lies have you told about money? <laughs> Well, did you see that face? Right. On all right, the hot he just seat he just froze. On the hot seat already. <laughs> have you told
2: any lies about money?
1: Well, honestly, I remember uh, one that still I get reminded of to this day. Um uh, my grandpa gave me a $20 bill and sent me to go play some video games and I came back and I didn't have any money left and I played all the video games that were there and he asked what I did with it and I said I I I stood there for a while. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Right. And I kept playing the video game. Yeah. That's the that's the one I remember.
2: One one of my bigger mistakes was uh call it a lie. I was lying to myself, but I ignored credit card. Right? I paid a minimum and it kept snowballing. All those things we say don't do. You know, back in my 20s, I did it. Right. And thankfully, it was a, a recoverable amount where it didn't put me in a detriment. Right. But that was a lie I told to myself. Hey, it'll, it'll, it'll take, it'll be okay.
1: You should have listened to an episode a couple of shows ago. You I might know. have gotten ahead of it. I with think I was the, the host for that one. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so, well, remember that the biggest lie people tell themselves is how much money they earn. Yeah, there you so go. When they're standing there and they say, How much money do you earn? Well, they may tell their friend $100,000, but that's before taxes. So if we take out taxes, then you've got $3 left or whatever you need to buy a pair of shoelaces. Right. But most people exaggerate. They don't understand that the gross income that you receive is not the amount of money you make. That's why I still think it would be a good idea, a great idea, if people, all people had to pay their income taxes the way self-employed people do. Right, you know, I just love those quarterly estimates that come through. Right,
2: you're you're grumbling at the government every every three months on what am I getting out of this?
3: Right, people would then pay more attention. Right now, they don't know much about taxes at all, and you know they think they're say they're getting money back whenever they've overpaid, and on and on and on. We've talked about that several times.
2: Right, and I I tell people to look at their property tax bill and see where that fund is that where that money is allocated. I love how they just roll it into the mortgage. Oh, it's taken care of. Yeah, but look right. at the itemized uh, invoice and where that money goes, and it's an eye-opener. It sure is. So the, the first thing on this actual list was, and I, I got a gr- good story for this one, John, is is concealing a windfall from a partner, such as a sort of gift or surprise check or or winnings. And uh, I, I go to Vegas a couple years ago. Allison and I were in Las Vegas, and I hit a royal flush, had a nice jackpot, and uh, – I call Allison was like, Oh yeah. Hey, I won, you know, big dollars. This is fantastic. Blah, blah, blah. And the guy, I hang up the phone. He goes, the guy sitting next to me at the table says, why did you tell your wife? And I, this is great. The first thing out of my mouth, I go, how many times have you been married? (laughs) And and he said four times. (laughs) He's working on a straight (laughs) flush. I said, well, that explains a lot. And the dealer says, I'd go with this guy right here because he's honest about things. But, uh, you know, concealing windfalls from a partner, that is dangerous, dangerous
1: scenario. Yeah. And You think about the why, right? Why is that happening? And in the survey studies, they went through it. And some of it was people felt so behind on their savings that when the windfall came in, they didn't want to commit it to the right things. Maybe, you know, it was that one time to maybe splurge or use it instead of doing the right things.
2: Yeah. Well, and then the, the, uh so yeah, don't don't lie to your partner. We're just past Valentine's Day, right? It's uh, it's a partnership, so you got to share and be transparent on all of these things. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to dig into these. Uh, you know, T- Tony, you said
1: mistruths. Yes, right? yes, on misstatements.
2: Misstatements on how it could derail your financial plan, and hopefully these uh, things will shed some light on what not to do. Uh, you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio six ten WTVN. Oh. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about John E. Sustina and Company and the Managing to Be Wealthy process, you can look us up on the web at managingtobewealthy.com. Uh, click a little bit about more info. And contact us if you're interested in learning more and uh, scheduling a free consultation uh, in this episode we're talking a little bit about as you say Tony what is it mistruths yeah misstatements misstatements of fact. Misstatements of fact so lies people tell about money oh, darn it right <laughs> yep. and a lot of times it has to do with with partnership and even in the dating and we've done we've done uh, specials shows about you know uh, pre-marriage how to to blend a blend your finances Uh, Eli, there's one here that says lying on a tax return. Do you think that's a good idea?
1: No. Why not? whatsoever. No, um, in the article, they were talking about why people lie on their tax returns, and it's about paying their fair share of taxes. Um, But the bigger picture here is that could get you in big trouble, fees, if you get, um, what do they call it? Audited. Audited, uh Right. So
3: that's a big red flag and a big no-no.
2: Yeah. John, what do you think about uh, that? Statement of lying on tax returns. Pretty bad idea, huh?
3: It's Well, ask Wesley Snipes. He'll tell you it's a bad <laughs> right, idea. Right. Went three years in prison for that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big deal to lie about your taxes. I had to you plan it, your taxes so you don't have to lie about them.
2: That's exactly it, right? And I had an accountant one time where somebody was trying to push the envelope on deductions, and they, they said, you can deduct whatever you want. You just better be able to, to verify it and justify it. Right, good
1: follow-up there. (laughs) Right,
2: I was like, all right, that's a really good way to look at it because people are aggressive, right? And that's why you know when no one's looking, how are you? What are you putting down on your tax returns?
3: Well, there is one point to that. What the accountant said, which is, if it's not in the code, you can do it. There you go. Yeah, and that's the problem. People think, well, I can't do it because it's not in the code. That's not true. That's why you want to plan, and you have to plan with somebody who's knowledgeable. About what the tax kick plan says
2: right and there's and again there's nothing wrong with an audit an IRS audit they're just checking
3: yeah ask me
1: right <laughs> I mean, could you, and let's take this to a real situation though could you imagine uh, we've all heard of the story of the Tiger King et cetera. he did go to jail for tax fraud could you imagine what his tax returns look like? Yeah. I mean, just going through there, seeing the deduction, you know, one tiger here, one, right, right, you right. Know, <laughs> one pound of this, right? Half a cow meal. here, right? right. right. where the flaming yon go? You can do right. it. You right. can deduct it. If it's a business, <laughs> it's real, but you got to be honest, got to have your receipts. Yeah. So well, the,
2: the
3: tigers ate them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not a good excuse. <laughs> right.
2: uh, the next one is lying to a partner about how much debt you have. Obviously, another no no.
3: For a I'm lot sure of good that's reasons, that's a biggie when people come together when they're thinking of getting married or something. That you know, one doesn't share how much debt he or she has because uh, they don't want to disturb the other partner.
2: And and usually it's out of embarrassment, right? And you're yep. afraid, fear. Uh, it's no different than making a bad investment and being embarrassed about it. And that, that's the hardest thing to pill to swallow is, is to face up and say, hey, I, we've got, here's my credit card debt. And I know, John, you always uh, suggested, and I do the same now, is when people are, or before they even think about getting married, you got to start to share that information. Yep. And, and know what you're getting into before, before the uh, nuptials are complete.
3: Yeah, one of the, I guess what we're promoting here is transparency. When you come together as a partnership, that requires transparency and especially about money and taxes.
1: Yeah, and and there's a benefit I mean I just met with a couple yesterday. It was so fun. We're going through talking about things and the idea was They have come a long way together from what they started at where they are now and to be able to go back and remember hey when we lived in this little apartment when we ate the ramen noodles when we didn't have this that that was fun that was development for them so kind of the opposite of lying that honesty and working together building together to see that work is beautiful
2: and that's exactly it's you know building a financial plan it's it's like a fitness routine or a diet right it's about changing your habits changing things and there's nothing wrong with saying, here's the start. Here's your starting point. It's going to get better from here. And that's that's obviously the first step of building a financial plan. Uh, but definitely try not to conceal that information from your loved one, partner, or future partner. It's important to be transparent with it. Uh, so the, in your
3: diet, would you be at fault if you had chocolate-covered peanuts?
2: Uh, how many chocolate-covered <laughs> peanuts? No, no. Right. it's about the calories here. <laughs> right, right. It's about All the right. calories, so in moderation, Right. <laughs> Yeah, moderation in all things. I, I didn't
1: realize I was entering an ethical discussion today. <laughs> right. I, I've got to rethink my snack drawer.
2: Yeah. The, uh, the, the next one on the list I thought was interesting and uh, actually had that question asked of me, and my answer was pretty straightforward. Uh, but, but lying in a job interview when asked about your previous salary. Someone asked me that, and I said, what does it matter?
1: It's a great answer, Steve. Right. I and, mean, it's a direct answer.
2: Right. Because I was interviewing for this job. What does the last job have to do with it? And But people lie about it, obviously, for obvious reasons to see how much they can get out of this next potential job. But in my opinion, it's irrelevant.
1: Yeah. I mean, as we go through this one, this one, I don't know, maybe this one isn't as harmful to you as some of the others. They're going to find out perhaps if they really check, count on that. And then if you lie, that's not good. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of science behind this, a lot of discussion that, yeah, if you tell them and they're just going to price it a little bit above, you might be pricing yourself under the market rate. So you want to value yourself there and know your value. So that's an important thing as the fiduciary to yourself and your family. It's not just show up and hopefully the boss pays me what I'm worth. You've got to go out and be proactive there
2: yeah Uh, the next one on the list is exaggerating how much something costs to your friends family or partner and this goes the other way you're not hiding something you're bragging
3: and that yeah when you bought that new Lamborghini there Steven (laughs) John it was a Ferrari
2: (laughs) 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 so right this is again right and what this does is it inflates uh, perception right it's sort of bragging
3: Uh,
2: don't go there Uh, that's, mean, that's
3: what all these fancy watches are about Stephen. uh because yeah that's something bling. you can have out and people look at it and say ooh ah and then you say yeah i bought this watch you know it's a it's a hickenviller or whatever you want to call it and they get all excited about that
2: yeah lifestyles of the rich and famous yep there's another show eli you know what that one's about do not okay he wasn't even born no that goes back to the 80s i don't even know if tony was born (laughs) robin leach come on i was sitting
1: there with my bottle watching robin enjoying the lifestyles you know aspirations goals
2: yeah all right um the next one on the list is misrepresenting or concealing income on a financial aid application wow yeah, talk about uh, slippery slope and leading to trouble.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is partly that entitlement stuff, though, right? I mean, th- again, the numbers would say it's about that fifty to 75000 income range where people are more likely to lie about it. And think about it. Logically, that's right about where some of the financial aid phases out. People see that they're going to try to justify it, maybe wrongfully. I think, but oh, I'm just this close. What if I just miss this? It's wrong. We don't like it. Don't do it. But it happens. It
2: does, right? It's it's that trying to get something, uh, getting squeezing as much out of it as possible, and again, just be care, be leery of what happens if you get caught, right? And so you're going to have to pay it back, and probably with fines and penalties. Uh, There's some other things where. Going to be coming up here, and that you just got to be cautious about. Definitely. Um, Another one here, John saying it's sort of, I think, a trend here is uh, hiding a bank account or credit card from a partner.
3: Yeah, isn't that sad that here you are again, a partnership? Partnership, I repeat, a partnership, and you're hiding one account from the other partner? That makes no sense at all. Not at all. If you're going to build anything, you're building it together. Right. That's what partners do. So, in that case, you're building your fin- family finances and family wealth and so forth. So why would you hide one from the other?
2: Yeah, and we, we've talked about this numerous times. We're in the same uh, boat that we believe spouses should have their manage their finances separately, which is different. And we can get into that when we come back from the break. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, manage, you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.
0: You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes.
2: Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is your host, Stephen Lucan. Today we're talking a little bit about uh, the common lies that people tell about money. Um, and ironically, we were talking, John, about how it is about m- many of these on the list are about partners hiding things from partners, which is frightening. Uh, and we talked a little bit about closing up the last segment about sharing uh, finances. And we do believe that having your own personal checking account separate from your spouse is good, a good thing, right? And obviously, it's important to have the transparency there. But the reason it's a good thing is your first bill or expense in the month or whatever that payroll run is, should be to your retirement savings. And you and your partner should be saving for retirement. And then after that, you service your debts or whatever, and then it's spending time. Uh, So we do believe that separating financial checkbooks is a good thing. Uh, But you got to make sure that you're transparent and not hiding things either.
3: And and also in the case of debt, that that, uh, your spouse's, if you have a joint account, it may be temporarily locked up and you won't be able to get money out of it, so you need to be attentive to that. So yeah. it's good for somebody to have their own, quote, money that they can get to if they need to.
1: And the other thing, too, with this is, you know, there's always someone in a household who's got one specialty, someone else does the other. But the idea of the finances and the money, both of you being aware of it, it's so important because if one of you goes down, something happens temporarily or otherwise, you're going to want at least something to start with. So it's okay to perhaps have one person be the point person, but you've got to be in the loop, too, and at least be aware, where am I going to go for my answers?
2: Right. Many people are not they don't have a passion for finance, but yeah. again, like you said, be aware of what's going on.
3: I don't think anyone has a passion for it, quite frankly, but it's just one of those things that you must do. Yeah. I mean, you need to have a cash flow worksheet. That's for you, Tony. Thanks, you. So you need to have a spreadsheet. Everyone has a, a spreadsheet of some kind these days, or you can get one of these, uh, download one of these phone apps that you might want, but you need to track where the money goes. Otherwise, you're running wild, yeah. And you know, it's like getting in your car and just pressing it on the gas and say, "I'm going to go somewhere and race down the road." God help you. Who knows where you're going to end up?
2: It's important, you know. I don't have a passion for eating kale, but I eat it, right? Because oh, it's good for me, right? <laughs> John, see, you don't. You should have a passion for vegetables. I know you don't like those either. <laughs> so, all right. So the next one on the list is misrepresenting income on a health insurance application. What's this one about?
1: So if you misrepresent your income on health insurance, it could really throw off the premiums, and that's the goal, kind of like lying in the interview about your income, trying to get that upper hand at the end of the day. So once again, that's something that could come to back, hit you later down the road so
2: and they'll find it right because a lot of this is based on subsidies through the ACA uh, plan so people are out there saying oh I have low income so I get subsidies therefore my premiums are really low and when does that all come to uh, uh, what is it the rooster comes home to the nest or what is it what's the term when the chicken come come roost roost. yeah there Mm. you go
1: well, that's going to happen when you file your tax return and you get audited, which, again, was another item they talked about in today's hearing. But the idea of increasing the IRS's budget, when you hear that, think more audits. And that's where if things don't match up, they can go back in time. So it might have flown at the time, but that just means they didn't catch it. Right. So it mean might it was also okay.
3: jeopardize your coverage. If they find out you're lying about your income, you may be kicked out.
1: Right. And it all gets reconciled
2: at the end when you're filing your tax return. People, because when you're when you're on the phone doing the application, they'll ask you what your income is, and you say, "Okay, it's less," and all of a sudden your premiums are reduced. But then when you go to file your tax return, they actually match it up, and then you you it's it's actually considered a tax and you end up paying back more because of the income representation, the truth behind it. So be cautious on that, and it's not worth lying when it comes to your your health insurance as far as your income. Uh, John, here's another one regarding your partner or family member. Uh, The next one on the list is hiding a purchase from a partner or family member.
3: That was interesting to me because uh, what the article said was women with uh, children – Tended to do that more than women without children, but women were prominent yeah now, it's interesting. I don't
2: Although, know where, yeah where they got the the numbers from, but it is interesting, no doubt.
3: yep, and so you know when uh, when your bride goes and buys a new mink coat or something, Stephen, and doesn't tell you about it, don't worry about it
1: right right <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can name a couple of flaws in that hypothetical, <laughs> right. but we'll leave that for another day, <laughs> yeah well again,
2: that goes back to the sharing of uh, savings. And then uh, not sharing of spending, right? Where if, if, if somebody saves up, let's say my wife, if Allison saves up to buy her mink coat, which she won't, but let's say maybe it's a pair of shoes. She yep. saved up for it. Yep. She's contributing to the retirement savings, uh, something she's passionate about. Or if I wanted to save up for my, maybe a new set of golf clubs or something, I don't play golf, but a hockey stick. Yeah, yeah, right? there right? So I wanted to buy a good sort. hockey stick and um, I, I would go do it. So as long as we contribute to our retirement savings first, then you can spend.
3: Uh, what's interesting is fundamentally we're talking about values. Tony mentioned it briefly earlier, but we are. We're talking about values that used to be learned where in your church or uh, mosque, whatever it was. And, and, you know, lying was not a good thing. Cheating was not a good thing. And that's basically what we're talking about here. They may be little, they think white lies. Or you know, it's just my income tax. I can do that, but it's still the same thing. Your value should weigh more heavily than anything else on any of these questions.
2: Yeah, and and here's you know here's the last one uh, on this list, and uh, we're gonna we can dig into this pretty deep. Is downplaying how much something cost? Uh, it wasn't that Ferrari wasn't that much. Right. And, and John, you, you've, you've taught us over the years, taught me over the years, that ego is one of the biggest obstacles in a financial plan. It and is. part of it is judging other people for what they have.
3: That's right. You're looking at the Joneses and thinking you're going to impress people who don't care about you. So here you are spending all this money to make an impression on someone who doesn't care.
2: Right. And I've, I've heard it a number, number of times and somebody would say, I don't know how they can afford it you know what they probably can't yeah that's always my answer (laughs) they usually
1: can't right they can pay for it but they can't afford it right those are different yeah um and through this we're gonna have to give Allison a break your spouse here we'll bring sierra in and my hypotheticals (laughs) more too you know sierra keeps taking the you know the easy route here you
2: you got you got the hammer with the newlywed uh, game right and and i (laughs) I am so
1: uh, lucky here i guess because i feel like it's up playing the cost of things so much it's oh i spent this much on and i'm like oh that's okay we, we you know we can do that so i, I feel good i feel lucky
2: but it but it is about sharing and building a plan together and uh, even for us when we we want we want all parties in in the meeting we don't want to just meet with one of the spouses even though it's it's good cuz we know where everything is it's a, because 9 times out of 10 i know john you you feel this way and same so you'll do whatever it takes to please your spouse Yes. Right. And, and a good, a good partnership. You're going to do whatever it takes. And sometimes it, that's where the lie comes in. Yep. Right. Yep. And and oh, yeah, we can we yes, we can take the vacation. We can go for two weeks and, and whatever. Uh, so that's that's an important thing is just make sure that everyone's on board. Uh, but, John, you talked, you know, the ego, the ego is really one of the biggest uh, obstacles for a good financial plan. Um Judging, you know, can somebody afford that or not afford it? Uh, Just focus on your own plan and not others.
3: Yep, that ego drives what house you buy, what car you drive, the clothes you wear. I mean, just think a few years ago, I don't know if Eli was around or not, but they used to judge you based on the number of of, uh, stitches in your rear pockets on Levi's. I mean, This is unbelievable. So that was kind of woke back then. Yeah, if you had more stitches than the other guy, you were doing better than the other guy, which is silly.
2: It is silly. So, but everyone should focus on their own financial plan. Again, everything we're trying to tell people is uh, food for thought, and just continue to build your financial plan is fluid. And uh, hopefully, you continue to tune in and listen to future shows. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio six ten WTVN.